0: It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri-Cities to Olympia to D.C., we break down down the stories of the day and the people making the news.
1: And that's the bottom line.
0: Time to get the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson.
1: Guest speakers this evening: the former Secretary of Defense James Madison, the former Governor of New Jersey Chris Christie, uh, who we are hoping to have some time with here in just a few minutes. We want to thank our good friends at Perfection Tire for helping us hit the road up here to Spokane. They are your preferred dealer for Nokian tires. Stop by and ask how you can get Nokian tires in your car before the snows hit for the winter time. They're made in Finland, so you know they can handle winters here in Washington State. And, you know, you get those tires, you want to make sure your car is as set as possible. You also want to make sure you've got great insurance. Contact Jason Hogue with American Family Insurance. Visit his website, jasonhogue.com. Ask about the car insurance policies. They have the safe driver programs, the teen safe driver programs as well. If you think you're paying too much, talk to Jason. You may wind up seeing a little bit of a reduction, or you may wind up seeing better coverage for what you're paying for. With American Family Insurance, Jason Hogue Agency on Route 68. In Pasco, we've had a blast here so far at the Davenport Hotel. Uh, many, many dignitaries, not just from uh, eastern Washington, but, of course, we had time a little bit earlier to talk with Congressional Representative Dan Newhouse. Um, always good to see the congressman. Uh, we've talked with a number of members of the Washington Policy Center. We will uh, have a conversation with Dr. Stark, Dr. Roger Stark. He's the health care uh, specialist for the Washington Policy Center. And, of course, still hoping to have join us before we are done for the hour, Secretary of State Kim Wyman. You know, it really is a fantastic event. A ton of people here, uh, getting ready. As you could hear behind me, uh, a lot of people beginning to gather in the lobby, getting ready for tonight's dinner for the guest speakers. Uh, 1,200 people up here, and as the Eastern Washington director, Chris Cargle mentioned earlier, a lot of folks from the Tri-Cities making the trek up here, uh, truly make it a regional dinner for the Eastern Washington for the uh, Washington Policy Center here in Eastern Washington. Waiting on the arrival of New Jersey Governor Chris Christie Here's was slated to speak with him in just a few moments. Have uh, about 10 or 12 minutes of time with him. And then, of course, we'll discuss some more issues, focus, that we would expect to see uh, introduced in the short session in Olympia. Health care being one, of course, we know that there will be a push for a capital gain slash income tax. And uh, Ed, is, Ed is looking for our guests. And here comes the governor right now making his way over to us governor christie welcome Uh, how are you so uh... former governor chris christie joining us here at the table and uh, it's amazing i grew up outside of philadelphia so i am very familiar 15 minutes away from Trenton, the Trenton Makes Bridge. So very familiar with, with New Jersey. It's amazing how New Jersey has had more Republican governors in the last 40 years than Washington State has. We've had exactly zero. But one of the things that impressed me the most when you uh, took office in New Jersey, the first thing you did was tackle something that we've got a real issue with here in Washington State, and that is public service unions. They're drained on uh, a number of specifically when it comes to tax dollars, how those negotiations are done behind closed doors. We never see what happens. What was the tack that you took? Uh, tackling the public service unions and so talk to us a little bit about the success that you had with that.
0: Well, Rob, uh, first off, thanks for having me on. Uh, head on is the way you do it. Um, there's no subtle way to do it. There's no easy way to do it. They're extraordinarily powerful, the teachers' union in particular, extraordinarily well-funded group of people. In New Jersey, for instance, they collect uh, about $140 million a year in dues. So what you do is um, you try to point out to people the inequity and the unfairness of the benefits that are given to public employees. Ask people, for instance, if after three years of their job, are they guaranteed a job for life? If after uh, 25 years they're guaranteed 70% of their salary for the rest of their life? If they're guaranteed you know, fully paid medical benefits for the rest of their lives at no cost? And when they hear those things, it strikes them that there's a general unfairness to the way the unions are demanding these things that the taxpayers have to foot the bill. And I think once we started to make those arguments and repetitively and directly, no fancy words, um, people got it and we started to get real movement.
1: Well, And it's interesting you say that because fancy, the lack of fancy words is what endeared you to a lot of voters in New Jersey. You were a straight shooter. You came out swinging. You told people exactly what the issues were that you saw in the state. You had a lot of success, particularly in your first term as governor of New Jersey. Talk about a few of the things that you were able to accomplish The in Washington state could potentially learn from. What are some of the common sense things, some of the common sense approaches you took to help make things better for New Jersey residents during your time as governor? Well, first off, pension reform,
0: Trying to, and we needed to do more. We did as much as we could get done, but what we got done would save $120 billion over the next 30 years in New Jersey making people pay more money in for their pension system. Right now, the average teacher, for instance, in New Jersey, goes through in retirement, two and a half years into retirement, they've run through all the money they ever put into the system. And every day after that, it's taxpayer money that's being taken out of the system. It's intolerable. Um, We now have public employees all have to pay a percentage of their health benefit premiums, sliding scale up to 35% of their premiums based on how much money they make seems fair to share in the cost of premiums. Then you have skin in the game. We got that done. We got a cap of 2% put on. Um, no award and in interest arbitration to a police or fire union could be higher than 2% increase in salary and benefits all in. Um, that helped to control the cost. And that's why we have the hot in this 10 years before I became governor, property taxes went up 70% in New Jersey. In my eight years as governor, property taxes went up 14%. Um, so, pretty significant change in the way we did things. Now, if
1: I remember correctly, you were a former U.S. District Attorney.
0: I was. I was the United States Attorney for New Jersey for seven years before I became governor.
1: Now, with all of the investigations that we're seeing going on at the federal level, I'm sure your eye has been on those, uh, we're, we're seeing uh, some investigations going on that led up to the 2016 election, of course, where President Trump uh, took the Oval Office. What are some of the things that you're seeing in the background investigations that have been opened up by A.G. Barr that could potentially shed some light on some of the things that occurred leading up to the 16th election, for example, the FISA warrants uh, on Carter Page and so on and so forth that's led to the whole Is there anything that you're noticing in particular that may spell trouble for those that are trying the impeachment push?
0: Well, listen, I think that the, the Attorney General is doing what should have been done right from the beginning, which was to have a full, complete impartial examination of how they got this whole thing started in the midst of a presidential election in 2016, and what were the motivations for it, and were the things that were in those affidavits for the FISA weren't sufficient? Were they truthful? And if any of those people engaged in stuff that was um, untruthful, um, they need to be held to account for it criminally. And so I, I think the, this attorney general will look at anything that needs to be looked at, and I'm confident that he and I know the the inspector general is going to come out with a report probably in the next week regarding a lot of this stuff. And I think he did a very good report on Jim Comey and the, the real awful mistakes that Comey made as FBI director. And I think uh, he's going to come out with another report. And I know Mike Harwitz, I'm confident he'll do a good job.
1: Now, most of us remember the last time in this country, of course, Bill Clinton. What is striking you is different with what we're seeing in Washington, D.C. now surrounding President Trump, and what we saw surrounding President Clinton?
0: You know, amazingly to me, I don't see a lot different. I just see the uniforms changed. You know, listen, I think Republicans during the Clinton time, um, you know, decided to go forward an impeachment even though they knew they had no chance to be able to get him removed from office. And I think it wound up hurting Republicans in the long run politically because they did that. I think the Democrats are making the same mistake. Uh, There is no chance that President Trump is going to be removed from office in 13 months before a national election. No chance. And so uh, the fact is they're wasting time and energy, um, and they're doing it in a way that's making people believe that they're not being fair. I think ultimately this is going to be a bigger problem for Democrats than it's going to be for Republicans.
1: We're talking with former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie here on the Bottom Line News Radio 610 KONA, one of the guest speakers this evening at the Washington Policy Center's Eastern Washington Dinner. Governor Christie, uh, could you give us a little bit of a preview of what your speech is going to entail this evening to those in attendance?
0: Well, tonight I think what the Policy Center wanted me to talk about was those things that we did in New Jersey to give some hope to. Um, folks here in washington state that things like this can be done and done on a bipartisan basis because remember something everything we just talked about in one of those earlier answers i gave you was done with a democrat legislature and a nearly veto-proof democratic legislature so the the fact is we've got to be able to work together in this country again to get these big important issues done so i'm going to talk about how we did that in new jersey and we'll give a little preview of the 2020 election and let people know how i see it from the perch where i sit now as a 18-year friend of the president's and the person who prepared him for his debates back in 2016.
1: One final question for you he 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 absolutely defies most logic when it comes to what he what he does in the office and to me it 's one of the endearing qualities about him the people that look at him don 't look at him as the president they see him as somebody they can have a beer with How, is is the is is the true man that we 're seeing the man that you 've known for eighteen years or is there a little bit of that um, little bit of that show business flair that he 's picked up over the years that he 's kind of brought into the Oval Office with him as maybe a little bit of diversionary so that the real man can get things done.
0: I've known him for 18 years, and he's always had that show business flair, even before he was really in show business on The Apprentice. Um, And I can tell you that he's not a lick different than he was when I met him 18 years ago. Um, He is who he is, and he's exhausting sometimes. Um, He's exasperating sometimes. And I think even those of us who support him sometimes wonder what he's up to. Um, He doesn't make it easy on you sometimes to be his friend and his supporter. But in the end, he is who he is. And I think people ask me all the time, what's he really like? I say, what you're looking at is what he's really like. He's no different. You know, my wife and I had dinner with he and the First Lady a few months ago at the White House, just the four of us. No different with the four of us in a dinner up in the residence than he is um, when he's, you know, walking onto the lawn of the White House and giving a hard time to the press corps on the way to the helicopter. Same guy.
1: Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, we appreciate the time you had for us this afternoon on the program. Best of luck with the speech tonight, and thank you for your service.
0: Rob, thank you very much. Thanks for what you're doing every day on the radio, and uh, I am happy to be here and be on the program. Thanks for giving me the chance.
1: We're going to take a quick time out, come back with more of the Bottom Line News Radio, 610 K1A, live from the Grand Davenport Hotel here in Spokane, the Washington Policy Center's Eastern Washington Dinner. Uh, Coming up, we are going to talk with Dr. Roger Stark. He is the health care policy specialist for the Washington Policy Center about some health care reforms we may see. Well, maybe they're not reforms, but we'll find out what Dr. Stark's take on it is uh, when we talk about some of the short session issues coming up in the legislature after this. (laughs) Hook up with the Bottom
0: Line on Twitter, at BottomLine610. Now, back to the show, presented by McCarrie Meats in Basin City.
1: Five four seven one six ten 1610 is normally the number, but uh, you won't be able to get through today as we are live in Spokane at the Grand Davenport Hotel. The Washington Policy Center's Eastern Washington Dinner is going on this evening. Guest speakers will be uh, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, who just joined us a few minutes ago, and former Secretary of Defense James Mattis. Thanks to our friends at Perfection Tire for helping us make the road trip up here to Spokane. Nokia and tires. If you're interested in them, they're your preferred dealer. Stop by and see how they can make your car a better ride. Joining us right now is Dr. Roger Stark. is the healthcare policy analyst for the Washington Policy Center. Dr. Stark, thank you for the time. Pleasure to have you join us on the program. Talk to us a little bit about some of the things that we could be seeing uh, health care-wise being introduced or discussed in the short session in Olympia this year.
2: Well, I think first of all we have to look at what they did this last session. Uh, first of all, they uh, the, the, the Democrats passed a public option that's going to show up in the uh, Affordable Care Act or the Obamacare exchanges. Now interestingly enough, the benefits for this and the law doesn't really kick in until 2021. So I think the Democrats in our state legislature are hoping that we wind up with a Democratic administration and Democratic Senate in Washington, D.C. to fund this public option. That's number one. Number two is there was legislation this last session to set up a working group to look at single payer for the state of Washington. This did not pass out of either the House or the Senate, but unfortunately it wound up in the budget. So uh, the working group is already starting to meet, starting to plan, starting to see what what is necessary to set up a, a single payer in the state of Washington.
1: So, to break it down even more simply, with the, we, we, we've seen billions of dollars in new tax revenue added. We've already talked about the potential of a new mileage tax coming our way, which is going to add more money. get more money coming out of people's pockets. We've already been hit with a couple of different elements: the family leave program, uh, as well as uh, another program that was recently passed. that's going to take about a dollar out of everybody's paychecks uh, in and around that area, anywhere between actually say one and ten, depending on what your what your salary range is. And now we're talking to. City- payer. How much of a backbreaker could single payer potentially be for working men and women in this state?
2: Well, let's look at it this way. Uh, the state of Vermont, a very liberal state with a very liberal governor and a legislature passed a single payer. They had to repeal it at the 11th hour simply because it was going to bust their budget. It was going to increase their budget by 35%. The voters in Colorado turned down a single-payer initiative because of the funding mechanism or lack of funding mechanism. The legislature in liberal California has looked at this, three or four, turned it down or not acted on it. Again, simply because there's no funding mechanism, it would clearly break the bank of any state.
1: Now, Dr. Stark, one of the interesting things that we have in our state that, a little different than those is we have a balanced budget amendment. So if you do put some type of program in place like this where you're talking about, I mean, you can't nail it down to the individual dollar, but I would imagine that there's no way in the health care field you can even come close to figuring out how much you're going to bring in versus how much you're going to wind up paying out based on how many different issues the normal person...
2: Winds up yeah, that's exactly right. There's no way to know that. Uh, but we do know it's going to be hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars uh, added to the state budget. You cannot tax the taxpayers in the state of Washington enough. To pay for a single pair, so I think what these, what the, what the liberals are doing, what the Democrats are doing in Olympia, is they're saying, okay, we're going to, um, we're going to work on this, and we got our fingers crossed. The Democrats are going to take over Washington D.C. and be able to fund this for us.
1: We talked to Roger Starkey, is the healthcare policy analyst for the Washington Policy Center. So, I understand the the, 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 the rudimentary goal is more power, more control, uh, the ability to basically dictate how you're going to live your life and and once they take over the health care aspect there really aren't too many other directions to go we've heard single-payer at the federal level with a panel to oversee would we also be looking at the same thing in washington state where a group of five seven ten people would determine whether or not you could have a surgery at age 65
2: yeah that i mean that that's inevitably what would happen that's essentially what happened in uh, that is essentially what most possible crack with the death panel this totally good chain out of affordable care, eventually. Uh, yes, there needs to be some kind of a committee that's going to direct our health care. Tell us what seizures we have, maybe what doctors can see. And, and they're going to uh, basically control the whole program top down.
1: Dr. Roger Stark, Policy Health, Policy Policy Center. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Hey, Great evening. My pleasure. Coming up next... Um, Here on the bottom line, we're going to talk with the Secretary of State, Kim Wyman, who's here at the event this evening. Thanks to uh, Jennifer Mons, Winamere Group 1 Real Estate. If you're thinking about hitting the housing market, make sure you talk to Jennifer. Real estate. If you're going to list your house, if you want to buy a house, hit her website for jennifermonds.com. Check out what listing she has. Also see the open houses that she has available. And send her an email with any questions that you may have. You can also turn around and say, hey, Jen, I want to build. What can I do here? What do I need? to know exactly how the situation is going to work out for you in the best case scenario. So get a hold of Jennifer Mons, Windermere Real Estate, Group 1, jennifermons.com, M-O-N-D-S.com. She through to exceed your expectations, so take her up on it. Back with more of The Bottom Line. News Radio 16 Kona from the Grand Davenport Hotel in Spokane. Give us your bottom line. Call
0: 509-547-1610. Now, back to the show. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City.
1: Back at The Bottom Line. This Radio 610 k We are live from the Grand Davenport Hotel in Spokane, the Washington Policy Center's Eastern Washington dinner uh, going on this evening where former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and former Secretary of Defense James Mattis will be the keynote speakers. Thanks to Perfection Tire for helping us make the road trip up here to Spokane, your preferred dealer for Nokia and Tires. Stop by and check them out. And uh, joining us right now, We've got favorite people, and then we've got favorite people. And one of our favorite people, Secretary of State Kim Wyman, joining us. Always nice to see you. Uh, you've had a busy, busy, busy season with a few new implicate a few new programs to implement.
3: Oh, absolutely. We're uh, rolling out our VoteWA, uh, which is our voter registration system statewide for the first time in this general election because every county is participating in the general. So we're uh, we're excited.
1: So one of the things that we noticed with the primary, with the same-day registration, which was another big big thing that came out of the legislature, is there were a little bit more than 3,000 people statewide that took advantage of that, uh, that aspect. Obviously, you're looking for more with the general, because more people do tend to turn out in the general. But let me ask you this, because it's a question certainly that a lot of, I think a lot of people have in their mind. Getting people to register to vote is one thing. Getting people to actually vote is something completely different. So as we add more voters to the rolls,
3: so I, I think our state actually does a really good job of that. Um, and it, same day is going to really do is allow people that wait to the last minute, and many people do, uh, to change their address or update their name because they got married or something. It's going to allow them to do that right up until election night and um, to have a statewide system. So now the counties are interconnected in a way we've never been before. They have real time or pretty near real time uh, information. So if, if you walk into Brenda Chilton's office uh, on election day, their staff is going to be able to pull up your registration. If you have moved, they'll update that registration. But they're also checking to see if you've returned a ballot. And if you have an or if you've been issued a ballot. And if you have, they can put a stop on those ballots and make sure only one gets counted. I think the easiest analogy is when you check into a hotel and you lose your key card and you go back to the desk and you get a new key card, they they change it up so the first one doesn't work. So somebody else tries to get in your room, they can't. And it's the same type of thing. We've built in the safeguards to make sure each voter only gets to have one ballot counted.
1: Now, we know the primary was statewide. It was a little bit over... I think it was, that came in. Benton County, unfortunately, was the second lowest, and Franklin was the lowest. They only had two races. Benton had a share. It was a little bit. I think it was 21%, 22%. Are are you – we know primary or off-year elections tend to be a little bit lower, but are there any things things that your office has noted um, in particular areas as to why turnout sometimes is lower than other times?
3: You know, people focus on turnout. I I stopped giving turnout projections a long time ago because, um, at the end of the day, what drives turnout is what's on the ballot. So here in Spokane, for example, you've got a really hot mayor's race, and you've got a a couple other races that are um, getting voters really excited, and I'm hearing, you know, millions of dollars being poured that, that gets people interested. That's what drives turnout. So I think we're going to see probably high turnout for even an odd year general, but it's all going to start building to next year. And, and you're going to see the highest turnout, as we always do, in the November general election.
1: You're also active with the legislature as far as trying to steer things in a positive direction when it comes to security, um, getting more people to register, more people feeling comfortable with the process. Uh, Are there some things that you're already working on for the short session to introduce to the legislature, uh, or do you want to keep those things under wraps right now?
3: we're we're starting to put together our legislative package Uh, you know one of the things that we are going to do is ask, I I hate to say it, ask for money, but we are going to ask for two positions to support our new system, Uh, the the technical side because what we're learning is uh, managing a statewide database and we've done it for a long time, is just going to take a higher level because we have so many new cybersecurity elements to it. Um, so I, th- I think from the money side, that's going to be one of our asks. But on the other side, and, and by the way, our system came in on time and on budget. So uh, I, I want to make sure that you know I'm taking care of your tax dollars. But um, we're looking at cybersecurity issues, and, and one of the areas um, is is ballot returns by electronic means. So we're, we're going to be working with the legislature on that issue.
1: We're talking with Secretary of State Kim Wyman here on The Bottom Line, News Radio 610 k live from the Grand Davenport Hotel here in Spokane. Uh, for you, what is, what is your biggest concern? What, what, what's the one thing that maybe scares you about the election process in Washington State, whether it's something you've been lobbying for and hasn't been done yet, or something that you see on the horizon that could potentially pose an issue?
3: You know, it, you know, there's been a lot of talk about cybersecurity and influence campaigns, and those certainly are, are things that I'm concerned about and we're mitigating. But right now, for me, it's partisanship. It is the, the rhetoric that comes out of, quite frankly, both political parties. And, it, it you know, they're trying to attack usually the other side or, or make people have... Uh, an idea that an election wasn't fair because their candidate didn't win and the problem is voters lose confidence in you know in our in our system and and i saw it even when we brought up our voter registration system uh... you know people tried to kind of play politics with that and and it erodes voter confidence and i think that's probably the thing i'm most concerned about
1: you mentioned being able to vote online we've also heard the possibility of mobile voting coming in the future, with more ways for people to engage in the process, what are some of the additional precautions that need to be put in place to make sure that those votes, be they online or be they through mobile or other more convenient ways for people to get involved in the process, how many more layers have to get put into place
3: from your office? Well that's what we're working on and, and I would remind voters that one of the strengths of our system here in Washington is that we have paper ballots. So uh even even if you go into a vote center and uh, use a machine to uh have assistance, it prints out a paper ballot and that's what's counted. Um, one of the things we kinda worked on is uh rolling what what we're gonna be working on this session is rolling back uh the return ballot uh And and really, unfortunately, this is going to affect our overseas voters and our military voters because right now they're the group that has that provision in law. But the problem is is you return it by either email or fax, and those are just simply not secure transmission systems and... Part of what I'm trying to do is get all of my the, my election officials across the uh, across the state to not open attachments because you could have viruses and malware and things. And what do we do with our our email ballots? We're we're telling them to open you know email from people we don't know. So I'm going to be asking the legislature to roll back that electronic return provision so that uh, we can shore up our system.
1: That was one question we always ask you. I'm going I ask you again, Secretary of State Kim Wyman? How's your health?
3: My health is doing great. I uh, I had a clean scan back in uh, July, and now my chance of recurrence of cancer is down to less than 10%. So uh, life is pretty good.
1: Yes, it is. Always good to see you, Secretary of State Kim Wyman. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks for what you do.
3: All right. Thanks, Rob. It's great to be here.
1: We're going to take a quick time out, come back with more from the Grand Davenport Hotel in eastern washington spokane to be exact washington policy centers eastern washington dinner getting ready to commence you hear a little bit more noise in the background a lot of people here in the lobby hanging out getting ready for tonight's festivities uh we're going to come back final segment of the bottom line news radio 610 kona thanks to perfection for helping us hit the road after this join the show
0: call the legends hotline 509-547-1610 back to the bottom line with robin by Meats in Basin City on News Radio 610
1: KONA. And hey, back on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA, live from the Grand Davenport Hotel here in Spokane, the Eastern Washington dinner for the Washington Policy Center going on tonight, featuring. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and former Secretary of Defense James Mattis will be your keynote speakers for the evening. And thanks to Perfection Tire, your preferred dealer for Nokian Tires, for helping us make the trip from the Tri-Cities to Spokane. And joining us for our final segment is Miranda Hawkins. She is the Young Professionals Director for the Washington Policy Center. And, Miranda, we're familiar with a lot of the areas of the Washington Policy Center dives into um, a number of different in taxes, environment, so on and so forth, but one of the things that certainly we know has been an issue, not just in Washington State, but around the country, is the lack of engagement and involvement from the younger generations. So with your role as the Young Professionals Director, where do you target and what are, what are the groups of people that you are looking to uh, touch to get engaged in, whether it's whether it's policy or just the process in general?
4: Yes, so the Young Professionals is for anyone 18 to 40 years of age, and our mission is to educate, to engage, and empower, ultimately, young people to make a positive difference in Washington State. We're seeing socialism on the rise over, it's the highest percentage it's ever been in favor among millennials, over 50% right now. And we believe a big reason of that is lack of education. People just don't know. They haven't been uh, exposed to free market solutions and tactics. So we're here to educate those those that age demographic.
1: So with knowing how, uh, you hear the stories all the time, certain um, institutions like um, Evergreen State, um, certainly elements over on the west side of the state, when it comes to trying to do outreach on those campuses or functions and events. Uh, Does the Policy Center put those on? Do you partner with groups? And and how how often are you out there uh, trying to attract the interest of that group, particularly starting at 18?
4: So we are statewide. We are in Spokane, Tri-Cities. We have a Young young Professionals group in Tri-Cities and in Seattle. So we have college clubs statewide at five campuses at Gonzaga, WSU, University of Puget Sound, Seattle University and University of Washington and then alongside that we have young professionals programs for anyone 18 to 40 and we put on events every month statewide so wherever you live there's a program for you and we'll focus on issues that are very relevant to young people so for instance um, in Seattle we just had an event on the homelessness issue there and we had a panel where we brought in to two sides each representing a different opinion and we tried to focus on solutions. How can we work together? How can we build bridges and bring back civil discussion and civil debate? On the college campuses we do debates so a lot of students never get to hear the other side and we're seeing that debates have kind of, we've lost the art of debate in society and so we're trying to bring that back and we've seen a lot of success. Last year we did a debate that brought over 300 students at Gonzaga, and 82. A poll after showed that 82% of the students said that they had never heard these type of arguments on a college campus before. And you know, as, that's like the most pivotal time in life. You should be hearing these arguments during your four-year education on campus.
1: We're talking with Miranda Hawkins. She's the young professional director with the Washington Policy Center. And, you know, Miranda, that actually led me into what my next question was going to be, is college campuses used to promote diversity of thought. They used to be a place for the young, free mind to be able to develop and go down whatever path it chose, uh, whether it be a a social justice path, whether it be a uh, a more conservative path. You had that ability to do that, and, and you could Do that without any kind of fear of any type of reprisals or anything else. What kind of have you seen any pushback on campuses when you when you have had any kind of events or have you heard any kind of pushback on campus to trying to promote more diversity of thought?
4: We are pretty much the only group that I know of that's nonpartisan and that focuses on just economic solutions. So, you know, you'll have groups that try to put on the base and stuff, but they're usually partisan. So that's really interesting um, perspective that we, pre- we provide. We care more about the research and solutions and less about your party politics. And, yeah, it's interesting. We get a lot of pushback from professors, from school administration, even in our other young professionals program outside of the college clubs. We've had pushback from community leaders, and we did the Homelessness debate, it almost got shut down two days before our event because activists in the city didn't want us to put on a conversation about the homelessness issue. They didn't want to have it. And so this, we do get a lot of pushback, and I think it shows even more how much we need this.
1: Well and the other interesting thing is is you know the Washington Policy Center is a nonpartisan group. You you are an issues focused, non political entity that believes in elements of responsibility when it comes to issues of policy. But those, as you put on these conversations, and you try to have these conversations in a public forum, there are people that are immediately going to believe that if you don't agree with them, you must di- you must automatically disagree with them and have a negative solution for an issue, and it's got to be difficult to combat.
4: Oh, it's very difficult because you know I even got personally attacked, and it's like, hey, if you. Sit down and have you know coffee with me, or if you come to one of our events, you will see within the first 10 minutes our hearts behind this issue, and it's just to provide education to the public. We believe that many people just are ignorant to how how successful free markets have been in bringing nations out of poverty. It's looking at history, it's looking at our grandparents and our parents' stories that haven't been passed on through the generations, and I think that's why we're seeing this millennial view shift. That's part of the reason, um, and yeah, it's, you, it's hard to disagree with us once you come to one of our events. We're loving, we're caring, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day whether you agree with us or not, we just want to educate the public.
1: Now, Miranda, certainly we've got a number of people in tri cities listening to the broadcast today. All different age ranges, from 18 to 75. You know, we've got students, we've got grandparents, we've got parents. If anybody in our audience is interested in finding out more information about where the Washington Policy Center's uh, young professionals programs are in their area, where can they go to find that?
2: So,
4: go to Washington Policy. Dot org again that's WashingtonPolicy.org and hit the events tab and you can see what's in your area coming up on December 5th we have a happy hour fireside chat and we're going to talk about healthcare and the future of healthcare in Washington State
1: and where's that event going to be held?
4: It's in Tri Cities at the home of Kate Lampson. Kate is one of our Young Professionals board members.
1: Fantastic, Miranda Hawkins, Young Professionals Director with the Washington Policy Center. Appreciate your time this afternoon, and best of luck in continuing to help provide multiple perspectives to the young mind.
4: Thank you so much, Rob.
1: We've got just a few minutes left here on the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA from the Grand Davenport, from the great Grand Grand Davenport Hotel. Yes, Grand Davenport Hotel. I was told that I was kind of slurring it a little bit. It wasn't coming out completely clear. The Grand Davenport Hotel here in Spokane. Thanks again to our friends at Perfection Tire for helping us make that road trip up here, your preferred dealer for Nokia and Tire. I want to mention as well, uh, Skyview Law, big supporter of the program. They're on George Washington Way in Richland. If you've got any family law issues, they are the experts in the Tri-Cities. Have been so for over 10 years. Uh, Whether it is the end of a relationship, a divorce, if you've got a business involved, you need a parenting plan, child custody situations. Skyview Law on George Washington Way in Richland. The experts in family law. Stop by and see Jared and his team or shoot them an email via their website, skyviewlaw.com. We got to add a map, actually, so that he could like point out, put mark down where all the prominent people were in the in the the building. You got a pretty full map. Yeah, you know we've uh, we've seen several of the state lawmakers. I'm just looking off to my left, and uh,
0: Kathy McMorris Rogers uh, just arrived. Of course, we had uh, Representative Newhouse uh, in earlier. A number of uh, state lawmakers, and uh, this is the place to be, no doubt about it.
1: Yep. saw Representative Joe Smick just a few minutes ago, representing the ninth legislative district, uh, and of course, uh, should should we should we announce our next uh, road show? You know what? This is a special day. Let's do it. All right. Our next road show will be on January 20th from Olympia as we have been invited to broadcast the program live from the state capitol for Tri-Cities Legislative Day. So our next road trip will come in the wintry month of January from the state capitol of Olympia. Another special three-hour bottom line coming Thursday, January 20th. Thrilled to death to be able to do the show from the state capitol during the legislative session. It could get a little dicey out there. It could.
0: You know, we're going we're gonna to... Try to get as many guests on with us that day.
1: And we're going to start at the top and work our way down. And you know what I'm talking about. We're going to try to bring the governor on. You know that I'm, you might finish the show yourself in that case. That'll do it for our broadcast here from the Grand Davenport Hotel in Spokane. Thanks to the Easter, thanks to the Washington Policy Center for having us up. Coming to you right next is the Mike Leach Coaches Show.